is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go. Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. There is a running back going third overall. That might make people a little bit nervous. And there's a running back going about 120th overall. That Heath Cummings is very excited about. We are very excited about today's show. Recording on Friday the 13th. Uh, but you're going to hear this on Sunday or Monday. Welcome everybody to Fantasy Football Today. Any news that breaks over the weekend, we don't have it. Hey guys, how we doing? I'm doing grand. How was your weekend? What, what last weekend? No, the weekend, you know, people are listening on Monday. Yeah, I went to a couple of breweries <laughs> yeah. and um looking at the future. Great. Yeah. Great. I won the Powerball and immediately retired. Wow, Dave's last show. All right. Hey Dave, now that you got some free time, get everybody together, go to Buffalo Wild Wings, start your fantasy football league right by booking your draft party at Beatubs. You're going to get a free draft kit and enjoy a draft feast of boneless wings, three sides, three shareables, all at a special price. Only at Buffalo Wild Wings, Wings, Beer, Sports, at participating locations, while supplies last. Oh, I get hungry every time I read it. All right, listen, no Twitter poll today. Let's put a first-round pick under the microscope right off the bat. And I, I don't know why I didn't get to him. I, maybe I was saving him for last intentionally. Because David Johnson needs to be put under the microscope. He was the number one uh, non-quarterback in fantasy in 2016. He had 17 touches before being injured in 2017. And he only averaged two yards per carry. That's stiff. But I think the obvious concern is, what about that offense? It could be tough for him to be an elite running back, particularly in non-PPR, if the Cardinals offense stinks. Guys, where are you right now on David Johnson, who is going third overall, according to MFL 1080p? Let me first of all say that I'm proud of you for saying the big concern is the offense instead of is he healthy because he's coming back from a wrist injury. It's not a leg injury. He's going to have the most rested body of any running back that you'll draft this year. And it's fantastic because he proved in 2016 that he's a dynamo and the Cardinals would be dumb as rocks to get away from using him as a three down back. I think you'll see very good things from David Johnson this year even though the Cardinals' offense isn't expected to be great. It, he will help the passing game in two ways. Number one, just the threat of him running the football, something defenses have to account for. And number two, the fact that he can catch passes out of the backfield. That's not going to be lost on this new coaching staff. Heath, Dave seems pretty optimistic about David Johnson. What about you? I I think I'm the low guy on David Johnson. I I don't dislike him. I recognize that he is one of a handful of backs that has the potential and the upside to once again be the number one running back in fantasy. I think on, even as this team is constructed, he could still do that. I do have concerns that you and you mentioned them. I don't know. I, I think this is a bad team. I don't think they're going to win very many games. I think they could be quite a ways behind in a lot of games that should be okay in PPR the offensive line might just be terrible which wouldn't be great so uh, there's reason to be concerned but the upside is number one overall you think so still even with 
he is going to be on by far the worst offense of the top four, five, six. Like, if you go Le'Veon Bell, Ezekiel Elliott, Todd Gurley, I know that's not in order, David Johnson, Kareem Hunt, Melvin Gordon, that's by far the worst offense. I mean, maybe the Cowboys. That's Yeah, I don't think you can say by far the worst offense when the Cowboys are in the equation. And for some reason, I don't have this concern with Ezekiel Elliott because we've seen him get so many carries and so much work, so many touchdowns. And the Cowboys, like, I feel like they're usually, they have a great offensive line. They have a great offensive line. So I think they usually outperform their skill level on offense, but, um, that's the worst offense in the, and Alvin Kamara is up there too. Then, like, it's debatable with Saquon Barkley, but the Giants should have a better offense. Um, it's just, it's a huge concern. So, like, if you look at, for me anyway, if you look at the, uh, the top five running backs each of the last four seasons, let's take a look. I've, I've given this stat before. The worst offense, like where the offense ranked in scoring for a top five running back each of the last four years. Last year, Melvin Gordon was on the worst offense of all the top five running backs. The Chargers were 13th. The year before, it was DeMarco Murray on the 14th ranked offense. The year before that, it was Todd Gurley on the 29th ranked offense. That was 2015. That was the year that running backs were just dreadful. They were like, hey, we don't want to play this year. 2014, more interesting. Matt Forte was a top five running back. He was on the 23rd best offense. So twice in the last four years, it has been uh, proven that a top five running back, in non-PPR, by the way, non-PPR, can be on a terrible offense. In that 2013 season, Matt Forte caught like 80 passes for, or no, caught like 100 passes for 800 yards. And that's the path to David Johnson being the best running back in fantasy this year is catching 90, 95 passes. I don't know that that's my, I, that can't be my expectation though. What's your expectation? I'll tell you, Dave. Oh, you're going to look it up. I'll tell you exactly. Keith has already projected David Johnson. I haven't done it yet because I'm lazy. No, that because I haven't needed. I mean, I have him at 1600 yards. Yeah, I might go a little higher than that. Even well, with the offense being 1643. Okay. Yeah. And I, 12 total touchdowns. Ooh, I might go a little lower than that. And that's what I was going to say is that I'm not sure he's going to account for more than 10 touchdowns, nine or 10 touchdowns this year. And that might be even a little too optimistic. I know that sounds weird, but I feel much better about saying David Johnson is going to get you over 1500 yards, maybe up to 1700 yards. But I don't, he scored 20 touchdowns in 2016. It's not going to happen again. It's not. No. Uh, my, the biggest thing for me when we're talking about David Johnson is, Adam, you said his ADP is number three overall. I would not take him in the top five. Right. That was my next Who question. Who are you taking ahead of him? The three running backs, Gurley, Zeke, and Bell. Okay. I would too. Antonio I would too. and DeAndre Hopkins. And in PPR, I'd take some more receivers. Why not Kareem Hunt? Why not Melvin Gordon? I have Kareem Hunt basically tied with David Johnson. It's a coin flip. How bold is it so if I say— So if you're drafting and those are the two guys that you're going to take Johnson— I'm going to take Hunt? Johnson. I am too. And I've got them back-to-back in my rankings as well. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I'm taking Johnson top five, standard or PPR. Or I'm sorry, non-PPR or PPR. <laughs> uh, how bold is it to say Dalvin Cook will have a better year than David Johnson? I can see Cook scoring more than Johnson. I don't think he'll get— Quite as many yards. I don't think it's that bold. I have 13 points separating them in non-PPR. So mm-hmm. I think it's wow. really close. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's uh, David Johnson, and he has been put under 
the microscope. Podcastawards.com, everybody. Please go vote for us. Nominate us in the sports and recreation category and the people's choice category. Just go to podcastawards, plural, dot com. It won't take long. Show a little love for fantasy football today. Don't have many news and notes. Again, we're doing this on Friday afternoon. You're hearing this much later. Uh, but one thing that came across, uh, Corey Davis was one of the stars of Tennessee's spring practices, according to Titans Online. That's a nice little off-season report about someone we talked about yesterday. I don't know if there's anything you want to add about Corey Davis. Uh, when I say he talked about yesterday, I mean Thursday. Sorry. So last week. Last week. No, he's still one of those high upside wide receivers who have barely shown flashes. Alshon Jeffrey is the hope because Alshon Jeffrey had a terrible rookie year that was ruined by injuries, and the next year he went over 1,100 yards and I think scored eight touchdowns. And my hands are going to be off Corey Davis if he's hurt during training camp because we saw that last year, and it took him forever to come back from it. Uh, Adam, does yes. it worry you at all that the Buffalo Bills are kicking the tires on former Chargers running back Brandon Oliver? So the reason I don't want to discuss that is I kind of feel like a lot more will happen over the next two days. And I don't oh, want to have okay. an outdated segment. I don't, Tell us what's going to happen. I mean, there's a chance. There's a chance. Look, you got to be, as we stand here right now on Friday afternoon, I just had to extend LaShawn McCoy in my Dynasty League. I extended three players. They were Alex Collins, Aaron Jones, and LaShawn McCoy. So I, <laughs> I'm i going to have one guy for weeks one and two. Um, yeah, but I was very nervous about it. And uh, it was like it was McCoy or a kicker. So it was an easy call. But you gotta be, you gotta be nervous about McCoy right now. Uh, alright, so Dave, on last Monday and Tuesday, I unveiled, oh, were you on those shows? Yeah, you I was on, on one. one of them. I unveiled a couple of draft strategies. First one was every single pick, upside, 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 that's all you care about. Second and one- I think, I think that's a good strategy for the back half of your draft. Yeah, I think it's a good strategy for the front. Especially in a 10 team league. 10 team league, whatever. You just do whatever the hell you want. Um, second strategy was draft a running back. No, draft a quarterback and a tight end with two of your first four picks. People hated it on Twitter. They hated it. So draft strategy number three is this. Draft with your first eight picks. Nothing but running backs and wide receivers. Running backs, wide receivers, any combination. Around four and four, let's say three and three and five would be the the biggest disparity. With your first eight picks, no quarterback, no tight end, no kicker, no defense. What do you think? Who's going to have a problem with that? That that can fit into a lot of draft strategies because you're waiting on quarterback, which is a good thing this year, and you're waiting on tight end, which isn't guaranteed to be a good thing, but it's it, it could be. There's a lot of interesting tight ends that are going to go after pick 100. Or that's the holdup, rather. It's missing out on a top three, top five tight end. Well, some people are going to miss out on the top three tight ends, even if they want one. That I th- If you have a pick at the end of the first round— You have no chance you're of not, getting any of them. No, you're not going to get them. And the, I, when that happens, this is probably the strategy I'm going to use. That's a good point. You could—you nah, can't take Gronk 12, right? 12, 13. You Only could. if you really want him. There's no chance Ertz falls to 36. Very, very slim in non-PPR. Very, very slim chance. Because I'm seeing him on, on MFL 10. He's 35. That's... I'd be surprised. On MFL 10s or on my fantasy league? MFL 10s.com. 
or dot sportshub.com slash ADP. Okay. Okay. So best ball. He's going 35th. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess that's, that makes a difference, but does it make a difference? It makes a, maybe a little difference, but no, that's later than I expected. If he's there at the end of the third, then I think that's a good pick. I, it's been my experience that he's going to go either early in the third or in the middle of the third. So the top three tight ends will go between 16th and 30th overall in every single draft in the universe. On, on fantasy pros, Ertz is 34, 35 right now in ADP. All right. Well. Yeah, I guess if you miss out on those tight ends, this strategy of your first eight picks are running back some wide receivers, that also might eliminate you from, well, it's going to eliminate you from Evan Ingram and Greg Olson. You might be out on Trey Burton too. So I got no oh, problem. Oh, you'll definitely be out on Trey Burton. Yeah. yeah you, You're not going to see Trey Burton in round nine. Right. Where's he going right now? Yeah, his ADP is 95, isn't it? 99 on fantasy pros. That's round eight. 96 is the end of round eight. Yeah. So that's yeah. round nine early. Ah, I would take him every time. Twitter poll, by the way. How do you feel about first eight picks, nothing but running backs and wide receivers? 65% like it. 17% no strong opinion. 18% don't like it. You know, that might be the fallback strategy. You might go into your draft with a different strategy, and then you realize after you've made your first couple of three picks that you need to, that you're not going to get what you want. And then you just you just kind of step back to that one, and you feel good about it. I mean, if I knew I could get like Trey Burton and Ben Roethlisberger in rounds nine and ten, yeah, I'd, I'd do this strategy all day, every day. What if it was more like Kirk Cousins and George Kittle? No, Delaney Walker and Patrick Mahomes. Talk about someone we've talked about almost zero, Delaney Walker. Uh, Should we put him under the microscope? Not under the eighth round microscope. <laughs> in in uh in October when we get to the eighth round, we'll put them under uh, a microscope. Um, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't really sound that appealing to me. So well, it's you... not as sexy as Travis Kelsey and Deshaun Watson or but something the, like that. The point is, the rest of your players are better. Yeah, but some of theoretically, them are, some of them are bench players, yes. you know. So have you guys done this that you can recall? Oh yeah, 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 and in a, in a, in a lot of drafts. Okay. But I'm okay at tight end with my last two non-kicker and DST picks being the combination of Charles Clay and Hayden Hurst. Okay. Well, it's something to think about. It's actually something I, I imagine I, I will be considering very strongly. And it's not necessarily I'm going to go in there and say, all right, my first day pick's going to be this. But once I miss those tight ends, if I miss those tight ends, then this strategy really becomes very much on the table. It's probably going to come down to how much you want a tight end because I, I think a lot of our listeners are going to wait on quarterback. We'll find out. We'll see. Uh, we've got let's uh, we've got a little bit of uh, some random thoughts from Adam. I'll get your thoughts on Devin Funchess, what I think about Funchess, what I think about the Packers wide receivers. Uh, going to do a fantasy profile on Giovanni Bernard, but a lot of emails and voicemails. We got really good voicemails today at nine five four six eight nine three one nine nine. 954-689-3199. One of our callers points out very astutely that a lot of the first round picks this year are dealing with new head coaches or new offensive coordinators. So what kind of effect may that have on, uh, on fantasy? But, you know, people really like fantasy regulators. We like fantasy regulators. We love fantasy regulators. 
The key is don't kill it. Don't wear it out. So I don't want to do it every day. But when you got a military man who needs some regulation, we're going to bend the rules. Eric from Massachusetts, you need some help? Well, good news. The fantasy regulators are here, Eric. Regulators! <laughs> Mount up. Nice. All right. Eric has been the commish since he started the league eight years ago. He says, last year I joined the military. I was forced to have an interim commish run the draft and league while I was away. I'm back home this year hoping to claim my throne, but my assistant, whom I made interim, refuses to give it back. It's my league. Eight years of hard work. Don't I deserve the crown? Absolutely, you deserve the crown, Eric. You deserve so much more for your service. And... um I don't know what to say about this guy. I guess the only thing I could ask is that you could email us back with the guy's name and we can publicly shame him. This is awful. I mean, this makes no sense to me, Heath. Yeah, I mean, like there, there are certain reasons where this could make more sense. Um, shame. but it's a shame. It, it is. It's, it's, uh, it's just an absolute shame and you should be ashamed of yourself. Random. Commish spot stealer. Yeah, you're out. In fact, I would kick that guy out of the league. All I know is that Eric, you deserve to be the commish, and I'm not sure you deserve to have this guy. Oh, I'm not sure he deserves you as a friend. That's that's a bold thing to say, but I'm just not sure. And quite frankly, it's time to get onto some regulation. Oh, that was really weak. It's time. Let's do that again. Get onto some regulation. It's we just time did the regulation to regulate. There we go. Let's get on to some regulation, everybody. Buffalo Wild Wings understands that, hey, being a fantasy football league manager is a tough job. Yeah, no kidding. Eric, it's a tough job. Don't let this guy take it from you. You need a good commish. And a good commish makes a good first impression. That all starts with the draft. And if you want your league to love you, book your draft party at B-Dubs at Buffalo Wild Wings. You're going to get a free draft kit. You're going to enjoy a special draft feast of boneless wings, three sides, three shareables, all for a special price to feed your league. Come in and get to drafting up some league manager love at Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports at participating locations while supplies last. Heath, couple questions for you. Okay. Number one, where is Dave? Uh, Dave had a malfunction. We may need to regulate on Dave here in just a moment. <laughs> okay. His, uh, his computer malfunctioned and he uh, just got up and left the podcast. You don't need a computer to do the podcast. Like I've got a computer to record on. That's the only computer we need. And the well, that's because you print 17 pages of notes before every podcast. I do print a lot of notes. I am not eco-friendly with the notes. No, 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 you're not. All and, right. I don't know if you know this or not, but a lot of times when we're having discussions about players and going back and forth, we use these computers to look up stats. I did know we, that. We don't have pro football reference or pro football focus or CBS sports in our brains. I pretty much don't, although I'm getting, I'm getting pretty familiar with who led the NFL in red zone targets last year. I've looked at that page about a thousand times. All right, here's some random thoughts from your host, Adam Azer. Oh, I hear Dave. Dave is coming back. We don't have to regulate on him. Are you sure? I'm here. Welcome back. Welcome back. We missed you. Right. So I just want to list some of my favorite things. <laughs> okay. Going to the dentist. Um, jury duty. What else do I like? Oh, paying my taxes. And my fourth favorite thing is my laptop dying on me in the middle of work. That, well, why? 
why did you have to go out now and take care of it? Because I needed it to get taken care of. Okay. Welcome back. You didn't miss anything. You missed some really? regulation, but that we laid down the law. Why no love for Devin Funches, guys? Why no love for Devin Funches? He's like outside your top 40. Well, his circumstances are totally different this year compared to when he went on his run last year. And he was a breakout player last year, but he was basically the only option in the passing game for Cam Newton. That was when Greg Olson wasn't there. He's back now. That was when DJ Moore wasn't there. He's now joined the team. And and even though I think this team is going to throw the ball a little bit more than they used to with Norv Turner as their play caller, I don't see Funchess getting close to the volume that he had last year. We talked last week about Kelvin Benjamin and the volume that we're expecting him to have in Buffalo. The opposite is going to happen to Devin Funchess in Carolina. So, I I mean, all good points, and I'll back it up with this stat. Devin Funchess was number 19 in non-PPR, number 21 in PPR last year. Eight games with Calvin Benjamin, 33 catches. Eight games without Calvin Benjamin, only 30 catches. But he had 126 more yards and two more touchdowns without Benjamin. Now, the first five games without Calvin Benjamin, he was awesome. He had eight or more fantasy points in non-PPR in four or five games. He caught four touchdowns. He had 86 or more yards in three or five games. And then if I, if I recall, I think he had a shoulder injury, Devin Funches. He was playing, yes. he was playing banged yeah. up. His numbers really suffered. Then he had a nice game in the postseason, four catches, 79 yards on eight targets. Uh, I do wonder how you would feel about him if he had been able to sort of keep up that pace without Kelvin Benjamin, that, that first five games, and he was great, must start, before the injury may have held him back. If he had kept that up and had a good eight-game stretch, would you give Funchess a little more credit and not just assume – because I think at least two of the three of you guys, with Jamie included, have DJ Moore ranked ahead. Not just assume that Funch is going to take a big step back. Yeah, I would like to rank. I think I may be the one that doesn't have DJ Moore ranked ahead. It's close. I would like to rank DJ Moore ahead, and then there is a good chance that in training camp we get the reports that make me do that. I think yep. DJ Moore is a more complete wide receiver. I think he has far more upside, and that there's not like even if it wasn't for DJ Moore. With Christian McCaffrey and Greg Olson commanding the targets that they do, I just don't think there's room for Funches to have a big year. Did I mention that Torrey Smith is now in Carolina? Super Bowl champion Torrey Smith. You know, I love Does that, that pick. Even matter. Right? I What's love that? that. I love that signing. I love it. Oh, I think it, I think he could play that Ted Ginn exactly. role for them. Exactly. But I don't think it's going to mean he's going to score Ted touchdowns like Ted Ginn did. Yeah, I don't even know that it makes him relevant. I think it makes. It helps Cam. Cam Newton better. Yeah. Everything the Panthers have done this offseason will help Cam Newton, along with the fact that they're going right back to the old offense. In theory, the old offensive uh, – it's not the offensive game plan, but just the philosophy that Cam's going to run, and that's okay. Whereas last year they tried to tell him, you know, maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you should, you know, throw it a little bit more so you don't get hurt as often. But he ran a lot, didn't he? He did once they realized that their idea sucked. <laughs> uh, fair. That, that was the whole reason why I didn't want to draft Cam last year is because they were going to try and change him. Yeah. And, and once they realized that their plan was no good, Cam went back to being his old self. Things got better for him. He was still really inconsistent, but he had some monster games. And I would imagine he'll be a little more consistent this year. Now he's a quarterback I'll take. Lo and behold, career high in rushing ca- rushing attempts and yards. Last year for Cam Newton. All right. Yeah. Next random thought from Adam. Either Randall Cobb is going to have a good year or Devontae Adams is going to be a top three wide receiver. 
Okay. Here, I guess here's my point. <laughs> I mean, we, we got Aaron Rodgers as our number one quarterback. What do we think? He's only going to make one guy good? Uh, Jimmy Graham is on the team. Get, get out of this town. Like, yeah, okay. Like, all right, yeah, you're going to have some touchdowns. But if you look at, like, the last couple times Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson were healthy, Randall Cobb, I think it was him twice, right? He had two big years. Like, Randall Cobb was the top seven wide receiver in, in 2014. Oh, no, no, no. It was Cobb in 2014. It was Devontae Adams in 2016. Both of those years, healthy Rodgers, healthy Jordy Nelson. Because remember, 2015 was just like Nelson tore his ACL. That was kind of a bad year for them. Both those years, they had two top ten wide receivers. He had they, Nelson they did, and Cobb, and he had Nelson and Adams. They didn't have Jimmy Graham then. It, do you, but do you like Jimmy Graham? Oh, you're giving a lot of credit to Jimmy Graham. Well, I didn't. I, mean, I didn't give enough credit. Future to Jimmy Hall Graham. of Famer. I did not give what? enough credit to Jimmy. Graham. He might Graham. be a future Hall of Famer at the University of Miami. You don't think he's going to the Hall of Fame? Jimmy Graham. Hey, look at his numbers among tight ends. It's got to be up there. I don't think Jimmy Graham is going to the Hall of Fame. He is. I feel like he's one of the most prolific tight ends ever. And I, this is a guess. I feel like he was, and then things happened. Like he got traded to Seattle. And he's here, here's the problem with lines. Randall Cobb and Jimmy Graham. I, I could very easily see it where Cobb gets more targets and more yards. All of a sudden I've got a boss next. More target and more yards. And Jimmy Graham gets more touchdowns. Yep. Yeah. And they kind of hurt each other a little bit. If you, if you had to, Say which one had a chance of getting over a hundred targets. To me, it's Cobb, and it's not even close. I think Cobb might be able to get to one twenty, but I think Graham is the one who's got a chance at eight touchdowns. I mean, how many tight ends? When well, during the time Jimmy Graham was in Seattle, three years had two thousand yards receiving and eighteen touchdowns. It's amazing to think that that's what his number. He had two thousand yards in three years. Yeah. Can we look up? I'm not. That's good at, I'm not good at serious these trivia. Things. Can we look up? He, what did you say? He had two thousand yards in what? In the three years and in Seattle, and eighteen touchdowns. Oh, in three he had, years with the Seattle. He had more than. Oh, in Seattle. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, can, that was like half a year for him in New Orleans. Can we look up where he ranks all time among tight ends and receiving yards? I, yeah. I'll look it up here on my imaginary laptop. <laughs> He's very good at looking things up. All right, uh, one more thing. Um, Much better than Dick right now. <laughs> I don't even have my phone. Everybody should understand, just, we'll put, we'll put Devontae Adams under a microscope at one point, but understand how good Jordy Nelson was in fantasy. He was always underdrafted because he was older. In 2014, he was number three. He missed 2015. In 2016, he was second in standard, or second in non-PPR, third in PPR, but it was almost like a two or three way tie for first. And in 2013, he was on pace to be number one with a bullet. He had amazing numbers in eight games that, that Aaron Rodgers played, but Rodgers only played eight games. I think he, he played like a little bit of one game. So he played nine, he missed seven. Do we have an answer? Jimmy Graham is currently 13th at tight end. In what? Yards. All time? All time. At, amongst tight ends. Hmm. I'm actually surprised. I thought it'd be higher. Who's but, that? How close is he to top ten? He will be tenth this year if he gets six hundred yards receiving. Not bad. I don't feel great about that. <laughs> the last three years, six hundred five, nine hundred twenty, oh, six hundred five and eleven games. All right, he should get it. We only had five hundred twenty yards last year. I think you can pencil him in for six hundred yards. Okay. Maybe even six hundred and ten. 
Last random thought from Adam. Saquon Barkley makes me nervous. Well, you saw him lifting those weights. If, if you had to tackle him, that would make you pretty nervous, wouldn't it? One thing I've noticed from this let's put a first-round pick under the microscope thing is that I pretty much like everyone. That's, that's why, why they're first-rounders. That, yeah, but, but okay, that's why I was a little bit negative about A.J. Green. Because even when you extend it past the first round into the early second, I pretty much like everyone. But we know how fantasy football, how fantasy, how sports works. Like they're not all going to hit. So Barkley makes me a little bit nervous. I thought it was a pretty interesting quote from Ben McAdoo of all people. He talked about Nate Solder in the New York Post. He talked about a lot. I of saw things. this. Yep. Getting a left tackle in there will help them in a lot of ways. I don't think Solder's a very good player. But I think it will help them in a lot of ways where they needed help in that room in the past, and they haven't had anyone to do that. That's kind of interesting. Well, you're also getting the opinion of the failed football coach. Yeah, but, but he I coached still tr- for the New York football st- giants, Dave. I still trust them to evaluate a player. You do? Yeah. What about Dave Gettleman? You don't trust him? Ah, but every- All right, well, well, forget about that. Barkley <laughs> makes me nervous. Okay. Uh, just, I want to see him first, I guess. I, mean, that's, I saw a social media post from CBS Sports that had Jamie's, like highlights from Jamie's rankings. And one of the most consistent comments that I saw under it, Saquon was featured on there. People were saying, I can't take Saquon Barkley in the first round. He hasn't even played a snap in the NFL. I think I actually have him in the second round. Yeah, I'm... If you're not excited about Saquon Barkley, you've got him where Heath has him. You'll you'll be happy to take him in round two. But if you're like me and you're excited about his potential, you have to go late round one. And remember, you're getting an early round two pick anyway, so someone's going to fall that you might have even considered in round one. On Fantasy Pros, Barkley is the seventh player, sixth running back off the board, and that's in non-PPR. By the way, Alvin Kamara is number six overall in non-PPR. Wow. So where's DeAndre Hopkins? Right behind them. Six, seven, eight. Camara, Saquon, yeah, Hopkins. I'd much rather have Hopkins than either of those two. I feel like he's safer than those. I two. mean, why? Why wouldn't you take Kareem Hunt over Saquon Barkley? Do, do we really think Bar- Barkley's going to have a better season than Hunt just had? I, I, I don't. I, I think don't Hunt could have a very good season. Yeah. All right. Well. I guess I'm not the only one who's a little nervous about him, but you know what? Like that's what preseason's for. Let's see what he can do. We've never seen him play. And uh it's the offensive line concerns me. But, they, but Will Hernandez is a bigger addition for Barkley's purposes than Nate Solder. Correct. Time now for our fantasy profile presented by Buffalo Wild Wings, an unknown or underrated fantasy football player. Listeners, you should get to know this guy. Could be the key to winning your draft season. Dave had Najoku on our previous show. Heath, this one is all you. Who are we profiling presented by Buffalo Wild Wings? Geo Bernard. Team Geo. I have been Team Geo for five years, and I've got. I'm, I'm going to take this in two parts, Adam. I think I can easily convince you on the first part, <laughs> and then the second part is where I'm really going to do my victory lap. <laughs> so the first part is that Geo is just an exceptional value. He's currently the 48th running back off the board in PPR drafts, according to Fantasy Pros. Last year he was 36th in non PPR with Jeremy Hill and Joe Mixon there for part of the year. The really interesting thing with the Bengals, since Gio arrived in Cincinnati, no running back has gotten more than 54% of the carries. 
That was Joe Mixon last year. Jeremy Hill got 53%, 47%, 45%. Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis got 45%. During that time, Geo's consistently, except for last year, averaged between 12.7 and 16.2 touches per game. His numbers look a little wonky because of that 10-game season in 2016, but his 16-game pace over the last two years, 935 yards, four touchdowns, which is basically a top 30 running back in non-PPR and a top 24 running back in PPR because of the 50 catches. Mm-hmm. Last You're year, convinced he's a value, right? Um, I would say that... Oh, <laughs> I would say, I, no, no, we don't, I would, we don't need it yet. I know, yes. that you, I know that you're convinced that he's a value. Yeah. Now, 120th part, overall or something like that. Yeah. The part you didn't agree with was that he had upside. It, without an injury. He has three seasons as a top 24 running back in, in non PPR. I don't really consider that upside. Last, you don't consider that up for a pick at 120? If he finishes 23rd at running back? If he does that, it's because he played 16 games. It's not because he's giving you great weekly production. There are a lot of running backs. But anyway, that was two or three years ago. Let's look more recently. When Mixon was hurt last year, in week 16, he had 30 touches, 168 yards, and a touchdown. In his final five games in PPR, 11.6, 19, 10.3, 22.8, 13. That's a 16-game pace of 245 PPR points, which would have been the number eight running back last year. He averaged almost a full yard more per carry than Joe Mixon did behind the same terrible offensive line. It's getting pretty convincing here. So what happened in those five games? Like, Why did he get all that work? All those well, that tasks? was after the Jeremy Hill experiment was over. Uh-huh. He was done after, I think, week seven. Um, the 22.8 Joe Mixon did miss. But he's always gotten quite – like like I said, he's pretty much been 12 to 16 touches per game for most of his career. The Bengals do not or have not ever, or have not in the last five years, used a workhorse approach at running back. They are a committee team. He also he, – okay. It, it's very, very good stuff. Very convincing. Why don't I let Dave jump in? What do you think about Geo? I think it is a – lead pipe lock that he's going to have a significant role in this run game, which is part of the reason why I'm a little shy about taking Joe Mixon. I know there's a lot of people who are excited about Mixon and they think he's a breakout running back this year. I think he did a good job illustrating just how much of a split there's going to be and that the Bengals won't give one guy all the work unless they really don't have another option, which is what happened week 16 last year. Right. When Hill Gio, was gone, Mixon was gone. Yeah, so Geo just was off to the races at that point. But to me, this reeks of a running back that I'd love to have on my bench and use in case of emergency. And not necessarily, you know, I, I mean, that's what you're drafting him for. Mm-hmm. That's what you're drafting pretty much any running back for in round 10. I don't think he's got the upside, so long as Mixon is healthy, to be a fantasy dynamo. Would, but would you say in PPR – he is going to be an acceptable flex. If well, now I'm putting him up against all the different receivers and tight ends that I could use in a flex spot. Are they? And going I don't know. To, if, I don't know if I'm if I'm as hot to trot with Geo there. It depends on what my other options are. I, I what I just said is exactly how I would draft him. He's a very good bench player in fantasy. 
And fortunately, round 10 is the perfect time to draft a very good bench player. But there's a lot of players in round 10 that have upside that you might be more into drafting than well, a yeah, guy everybody who might else get is. you 10, 12 touches a game. Yeah, I mean, that's, I, that's kind of feeling, that's how I'm feeling about him. I, but I have a, a philosophy that I'm not really sure is great or even good. I sort of consider Geo a part-time player. I just, he's never a feature back. And he's like Duke Johnson to me with more touches. I don't draft those guys. You know? Well, and that's, that's the other thing for me is like he is going well behind Duke Johnson, Chris Thompson, guys like that. And I don't know why. Like we, there's no yeah. upside for Chris Thompson. If somebody gets hurt in front of Chris Thompson, he's still getting yeah, 10 touches, touches a game. That's where we he's saw at. what happens if somebody, if Joe Mixon gets hurt. You're right about that because if somebody gets hurt in front of Duke Johnson, they've got two guys, you know, they both would have to get hurt for him to, and I don't even know if they'd give him a lion's share of the carries at that point. I don't know that they'll ever view him that way. So for you're Duke? right about that. Injury upside is definitely there for Geo. I'm not 100% convinced that it would play out like it did in week 16, you know, but where he got, what, how many carries did he get in week 16? He got uh, 23. 23 carries and seven catches. Yeah, I, I don't know that Who would they be play? Like that. Do you have that information? The Lions. The Lions. They won that game? I'm not sure. Oh, that was, I don't like, have that was like a terrible Saturday game or something like that, right? Like It was a pretty great game if you're Team Geo. <laughs> <laughs> I will just, I will just close yeah. with this. In a PPR league, a lot of those pass-catching running backs get taken in the middle round. Gio Bernard should be the first one taken. Well, all right, all right. So I think it's pretty, uh, pretty good look at Giovanni Bernard. Hey, I want to go see Giovanni Bernard play. Right? We all want to go see Giovanni Bernard play. How about using the SeatGeek app to get there? Download the SeatGeek app and use the promo code FFT for 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. Well, I gotta tell you, I'm a little disappointed, guys. Foo Fighters are in town this week. I am not gonna be able to make it there, but I had already actually went on SeatGeek earlier today to look at Foo Fighters tickets because the concert is sold out. And in fact, I can open up the SeatGeek app right now and tell you what it tells me. You type in Foo Fighters, it gives you all the dates. There are three of them coming up in New York. And then it gives you, you know, here we go. So let's look at July 17th. Uh, Foo Fighters with the struts. It tells you what the tickets start at. Now I've already sorted it by price. But I could also sort by deal score so I know where the best seats are in terms of value. Section 210, $108. This is a 10 out of 10 on the SeatGeek scale. This is, uh, this is a, actually a really good deal. I would be totally going to this concert if I didn't have obligations. But that's how easy it is to find great seats on SeatGeek. They make it so simple for you. Every purchase is fully guaranteed. Concerts, comedy, sports, theater. Use SeatGeek for all of that and use the promo code FFT. For 20 bucks off your first purchase, 20 bucks off with the promo code FFT on SeatGeek. And for goodness sake, go see the Foo Fighters. They're freaking amazing. Right, Dave? Was that a promo for SeatGeek or the Foo Fighters? Two of my true loves, SeatGeek and the Foo Fighters. Don't want to be your monkey wrench. SeatGeek and the Foo Fighters kind of sounds like a band name in itself. Oh. Except you'd be infringing on the Foo Fighters. And I don't think SeatGeek would be pretty happy if you <laughs> took their name. Well, uh, that's probably a good point. All right, uh, let's do voicemails first, then we'll finish with some emails. Number is 954-689-3199. All right, here's the deal about this first voicemail. This is Bill. Now, he's talking about a draft strategy. It sounds a little obvious, but if you listen carefully to what he's saying, it's actually, 
it actually makes sense. So, Bill, thank you for the call, first of all. Let's get to it. Hey, guys. I'm out here in Honolulu, Hawaii. My name's Bill. So, I'm just curious. When you're doing your draft, with the snake draft in particular, have you ever gone the route of playing it by your intuition and really picking in and honing in on the players that you love and think are going to outvalue their, their present status? Um, you know, obviously, in an auction draft, we do that naturally and we, we pick out our favorite ones. But for instance, if you feel like a player in round three might be a value and you're not going to get around to the pick due to where you're at, would you jump to that player? Have you ever just taken one solo draft and said, I'm going to just choose all my favorites? Thanks guys. Yeah. Sometimes we don't have the guts to do that. You know, sometimes we look at other rankings. We look at average draft position. We don't just go with our gut. We're worried about, Oh, am I reaching? I think this is a good question from Bill. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think I think it's a great idea to draft the players that you want. I mean, that's what fantasy football is all about. You don't want to draft players that you think are going to be terrible because by week three you'll be saying, why Why did I draft this yeah. guy? Why is he on my team? It's not exactly what we're getting at here. Well, I thought that's exactly what we're getting at. Now, he, he mentioned something specific about trading up in a draft to get a guy that you really, really want. There are some leagues that don't allow trading of draft picks during a draft. That stinks, but in those leagues that I'm in where I can move up and down in a draft, I do this constantly. I've How many times have I bugged you, Heath, about, hey, man, can, can we make a deal? Do you, do you want your next pick? Oh, yeah. I'm that guy. Yeah. But I love being that guy because then I eventually get the player who I want. I, I will say to, to the listener's point, there are few things Bill. more frustrating than – thinking, oh, I can get this guy next round, taking somebody you don't even like as much because he'll be there next round, and then he's not there next round, and you outsmarted yourself. Don't do that. Don't play yourself. Yeah, and I would say also there are times when, okay, not for you guys. You do rankings. But there might be times for listeners, you're doing a draft, and you like someone better, but you know that nobody else does, and maybe you're too afraid to go with your gut. Which is fine. Maybe you're maybe you're wrong, but I think Bill's saying, "Hey, let's have fun with it. Let's just do what we want. Forget about the draft rankings, the average draft position. Let's just go crazy, folks." I like well, it. Well, let's let's take Bill's case to an extreme. We've kind of identified late round four, early round five as like the suck zone in a fantasy draft, mm-hmm. where the players left aren't really all that exciting. And let's say there's a guy that you know you're reaching for. He's his his ADP is round seven, but you love him. And he's your next. Say you did a rankings of players that you just absolutely have to have, and he's the name at the top of the list. Do you take him then? Do you do you go for the reach then? Well, three rounds is kind of late, kind of um a big jump. But let's call it two rounds. Let's sounds say like you're talking five. about uh, Deshaun Watson. <laughs> No, because I, I bet he ends up going sooner. Or than Or Carson Wentz, then. I bet he go, ends up going sooner than. I don't seven, know. Too. We talked about the, his ADP with Danny Cannell. It's pretty low. Yeah, that's true. It's it's really low. It sounds like you're talking about a quarterback that goes much later than. Right. So let's say it's Carson or Wentz. Trey let's Burton. say it's a quarter. It's a quarterback that you have to have. Do you, do you go for the reach or do you settle for a player that you're? No, not don't that settle. By? Don't set. No, don't settle. You know, it's like when you're sitting at a restaurant, nice restaurant. You're on a date. And you order something that you think you're going to like, and they bring it to you, and it looks like a fish's head. And then what? Well, you don't want to eat it. 
I've never it had looks, it. It looks it's terrible. Dave, how do you feel about sushi? Heath and I are anti. Uh, I'm okay with it. All right. Next email. Next voicemail. No name on this one. Dave, give me a name. Eddie. Eddie says... Hello, Fran, Randall, Warren, and Dante. This is Troy from Chico, California, and I just had a question about some oh, of the first-round draft picks <laughs> that have different situations this year, meaning that the Cardinals have a new coach and offensive coordinator, David Johnson, Chiefs' new quarterback, Kareem Hunt, Steelers' new offensive coordinator for Bell and Brown. Even the Rams with Todd Gurley has a new offensive coordinator, although we know Sean McVay probably does most of that anyway. So just curious if you thought any of those changes are going to drastically have an effect on uh, some of these high draft choices. Thank you. Love you guys' show. It's the only one I listen to every episode. Appreciate it. Thank, Thank you, Troy. You. But your name is now Eddie. Sorry about that. You know, we I don't know if we do enough work on on when there's a, a change like that and we we go negative. Usually when there's a change, we, we find a way to say, oh, well, this is better. They're making a change. Things should be different than the way that things were. Mm-hmm. That's a good I, point. I was going to use – I was going to – I'm pausing because I was going to use Pittsburgh as the example because Todd Haley's gone and it's Randy Fickner now. But he's basically said that he's just going to do what they've been doing. I think Ben's – And, been, yeah, like Ben's Ben is kind of the play caller, it's right? Not, it's not a running back, but if – and I haven't downgraded him because of this, and it's probably showing some of my own personal bias that I haven't downgraded him because of this, but if there is one guy that I am scared to death of because of an offensive coordinator change, it's Russell Wilson. Because they've got a – Yeah, they've that got might a be Schottenheimer. the one. And they have talked a lot about how important it is to run the ball. They don't seem to understand the difference between correlation and causation with how many times you run the ball and winning, according to some of the quotes. They kind of think they need to run the ball more so they win more. Well, they need to run the ball more to protect Russell. Yeah, they just need to let Russell be Russell. They don't, I, I think, but that, that worries me because if they decide to hand the ball off 450 times this year, uh, Russell's going to have a hard time being a top three quarterback. All right, next voice. That's a good answer, by the way. Next. Yeah. Good answer, good answer. Next voicemail is from, oh, we have a name here. Greetings, gentlemen. This is Matt. I have a keeper question for you. I'm in a 12-team half-point-per-reception league, and I can either keep Tariq Cohen for the first pick in the 15th round or Zach Ertz for the first pick in the fourth round. This should be the last pick in the fourth round. I should tell you that I am a Bears fan, so I would like David's in particular, in particular comments in particular. <laughs> but it seems to me Tariq Cohen has the best value here. Thanks, guys. David? It really comes down to whether or not you believe that Tariq Cohen is going to be Tyreek Hill, which I don't think is going to happen. I think that there are enough new bodies in Chicago that have speed that there won't be a new Tyreek Hill just because the guy coming from Kansas City is there and everybody wants to make that comparison. I think Cohen's going to be pretty good for fantasy. I'm almost positive that Zach Ertz is going to be great for fantasy. And the last pick in round four is a great – we just talked about how it's kind of surprising that Zach Ertz's ADP is late round three. So he's a good value too. I would keep Ertz. I'm just cool. uh, The 15th round for Cohen – you can redraft him in round eight or round nine. You can, but probably then, closer to eight than nine. Yeah, take your round eight pick. So, would I rather do that and use a fourth and an eighth 
or I can redraft Ertz with my third round pick. It would be the first pick in round three. I'm probably get Kelsey there. Right? Well, it's a keeper league, so I don't, you know, you don't ever know who's. Kelsey. We don't know don't if know. Kelsey's there, right? And half point PPR I, would go Kelsey over Ertz. I'd probably end up keeping Ertz as well, but I do think Cohen's a better value. Next. Hey guys, love the podcast. So I just had a question about Jarvis Landry, and I think he's going to be a top 15 guy again. Uh, he was a top five receiver in a really bad Dolphins offense, and it seems like the Browns produce top 10 receivers occasionally with Terrell Pryor and Josh Gordon in the past year. So just let me know what you think. Thanks, guys. I'm, uh, I'm kind of enjoying that people are getting into the Browns. You know, we're doing the Scott Fishbowl draft right now, and I've got both Tyrod Taylor and Baker Mayfield on my team. It's a super flex league. It's a crazy deep draft, so don't at me. But, like, I, I post my team, and people are are sending me notes back on Twitter saying, oh, awesome, you've got Tyrod Taylor and Baker Mayfield. Nice job. And I'm like, yeah, I, 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 I'm getting the sense that people are getting excited about the Browns. And the thing that I'm worried about is that Landry in Miami – was basically the go-to guy, particularly for a quarterback who was gun-shy and a quarterback who wasn't. He was able to work well with both of them. He got his best numbers with the gunslinger, that's Cutler, and he got a lot of volume with the scaredy-cat quarterback, that's Tannehill. And the, the, the thing that kind of bothers me a little bit is that Tyrod tends to look downfield a little bit more. I'm not sure that the targets will consistently be there for Landry like they were in Miami because Josh Gordon's there, because Corey Coleman is there, David Njoku's there, Duke Johnson's there. Duke, Njoku, and Landry theoretically share the same part of the field, you know, 10 yards and closer. So I think it, I, I'm, I'm a little concerned about Jarvis Landry getting high volume like he has in the past. I don't you think should he's be. Top 15. I don't think he's top 15. And also, I mean, our caller, who did not leave his name, Mentioned how we've gotten good wide receivers from the Browns, including Josh Gordon. Well, why, why not Josh Gordon? Why would you be higher on Landry than Gordon? I don't know, Heath. Right. I've got Gordon fifteenth, and I think in non PPR, I do have Landry a little ahead of him in PPR. Yeah. Okay. Where do Are you, you have, expecting where do you a have lot him? of volume for Landry, Heath? Not the type of volume that he got in Miami. How but many targets? One hundred and thirty. That's a good number. It's about eight a game. Ready for our last one? It is a keeper question. Oh, by the way, who, Fran, Randall, Warren, and Dante. Like, I'm, Those are Vikings. All of the, Fran, Randall. Who's Warren? That would be Warren Moon, wouldn't it? Yeah. He's not a Viking. He was a Viking. Was he? Yeah. Okay, I don't remember that. Why do I not remember Warren Moon on the Vikings? Because you're weird. Am I Unless weird? I'm I'm almost positive he was on the Minnesota. Look it up, Dave. I'm Tell definitely us who he played there. I'm definitely weird. Like so, you're right about that. Okay. Was an Oiler first. Well, first he played in the he CFL. He played three years on the Vikings and led the league in 1995 with 377 completions. In as, your wolf boy face, <laughs> as a 39 year old Viking. Wow, good for him. Through 33 touchdown Did passes he play with and Moss? 4,200. He played yards. with Moss, right? Because then. Well, like there was like I'm confusing him with Randall Cunningham a little bit. This was the these were the 1995. Uh, way before Randy Moss, I'm crazy. Vikings. Chris Carter had 197 targets that mm-hmm. year. Eat your heart out, Jarvis Landry. All right, here we go. And Jake Reed at 142. Last one, and then we'll 
finish up with some emails. Hey guys, this is Shane from a town close to Hartford. I had a quick keeper question for you guys. It's a super flex league and you get to keep two players. I'm deciding between these guys, David Johnson, the first Todd Gurley in the third Keenan Allen in the fourth Dalvin cook in the fifth or Carson Wentz in the eighth. This is a tough one. Let's read it again. So or I'll read it back. The transcript. He is in a super flex league. David Johnson in the first, Gurley in the third, Allen in the fourth, Cook in the fifth, Wentz in the eighth, and he can only keep two. Wow. Do you know where your pick is in round one? I mean, I love when you ask these questions. So what am I supposed to do? Call him? Yeah, I know, I know. Well, the point <laughs> of the question is, can you possibly redraft <laughs> David Johnson? I, I think Johnson's out. Like, there's no way. I think you've got to go Gurley and Cook and cross your fingers that you can get a very good player in round one. Adam, we have breaking news that's actually not breaking as people are listening to this, but it's breaking as we're podcasting. Oh, great. Would you like to hear oh, it? Oh, yeah, I would. I was, yeah, go ahead. DeMarco Murray. Oh, no. Is retiring from football. Really? Oh, no. Are you serious? I am serious. Courtesy of Adam Schefter's tweet six minutes ago, so at 1.58 p.m. Eastern on Friday. Is he a reliable source for NFL news? I, I, I think so. <laughs> he has a blue check mark. Well, that's good for uh, the Colts, right? That's good for Marlon Mack. Yeah, I, right. feel, I, I kind of feel bad for DeMarco Murray. Why? Because I bet he thinks he can still play. No, I spoke to him the other day. He's... He's ready. Really? Should be happy for him. I texted him. Well, then I will be happy for him. He only played seven years. I'm just kidding, everybody. I, I've i never spoken to a football player before. But I did. Odell Beckham Jr. liked my tweet. You spoke to Danny Cannell yesterday. Oh, an active football player. <laughs> Danny Count. <laughs> but I have actually spoken to active. Uh, never off the air. We talked to Todd Except Gurley Chad in an interview who earlier you, this year. Off the you, air. Who did you jinx last year? We talked to Todd Gurley on the air. Who did we jinx last year? You talked to somebody on air and you were trying to ask him some questions. David Johnson. No. No, it was before the season. Well, we talked to Allen Robinson before he had a bad year. There was, I think it was a running back last year, not on this show, but on a different show that you talked to. What? Do you know who it is and you're just like no. being coy? No, what the hell are you talking about? I don't know. No, I've, it, was it Matt Forte? Yeah, but that was, Matt that was Forte mid-season. And you asked about his injury or something. Well, he uh, was injured. I didn't ask him on the And air. now he retired too. Yeah, wow. All right. Well, we never well, had the Marco Murray Odell Beckham Jr. liked my tweet the other day, Odell Beckham Jr., and I looked at the profile and it said, not the real Odell Beckham Jr. I was so disappointed. Uh, finish the show. Do you want me to ask Odell to like one of your tweets? Tell him to follow me. All right. I'll see what he says. I'm going to say we don't have time for emails. I feel like we're done here. All right. We'll read one. T Money from Pittsburgh. What about, what do you all think about having a league with only flex spots? One quarterback, six flex, one defense, five bench. This is a thing. This is happening. This is a thing that is happening in fantasy circles. Like when you read that, Heath even saw me do it. Like it, the light bulb went off over my head and my eyes got real big like I was being served a ribeye. This is a thing that people are doing because it, it kind of evens out the playing field and it, it makes all the positions kind of the same value. Like they figure out a way to do it where you know the scoring is a little bit more tilted toward tight ends, whatever, whatever. But this is a thing, and I think it's kind of cool. 
I like it. And it takes a lot of pressure off of filling the proper roster spot on your team. And it takes a lot, but that's, that's like, that's the strategy. That's the hard part about fantasy. Right. So it simplifies the strategy. And now the focus is more on drafting players that you think are going to do great and you don't even think about their position. Yeah. All right. You don't have to think about getting, well, do I have to get the handcuff for this guy or that guy? No, you can just go get a wide receiver who could fill that spot. You could go all wide receivers if you want to. Yeah, it's not pretty even bother with the stinking running backs. Who needs them? Scram! I'm guessing not, not that many tight ends are getting drafted in that format. Well, it depends. Usually, I think those formats will do something like yes, 1.5 yeah. points for a reception for a tight end as opposed to one for everybody well, else. That, that, that's like defeating the purpose to me. Right, sure, because then you think you're getting an edge with your tight end. Yeah. And I mean, you might. Uh, I don't know. All I know that, is. That changes the strategy, of course. All I know is Jimmy Graham is a borderline Hall of Famer. And Warren Moon apparently played for the Vikings. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we will talk to you. I don't even know what day it is right now. So we'll talk to you soon on Fantasy Football Day. Na-na-na-na-na-na-na. Nah.